morning. If you think that church is a place for religion and whatever, well, we just had Rihanna singing in the church, I know, through these two schools. It was absolutely fantastic. Really, it's great to welcome you all here this morning. And um, as said, I'm just going to be a few moments. You are going to have the children back in a moment. And, um, and then, of course, as Phil's just said, they will be singing uh, again. Just before I get into the thought, are there any, any football fans here? Any English football fans here? Oh, we can do better. Any English football fans? What's it going to be like? Everybody keeps saying it's 50-50. I mean, who, who's going to be the winner? Okay, well, well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I really hope so. My name's Christian Thorpe, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's my privilege to just share a few thoughts with each and every one of you this morning. It is a joy, as, uh, as we've already said, to welcome everybody and all the dignitaries. And um, just on this great morning, as we look at the community, and that great song that's just been sung by, by the kids, Found Love in a Hopeless Place. I don't know about you, but I've at times been in a hopeless place. Uh, things haven't always gone well. Things haven't always gone as I've wanted them to. And in that hopeless place, the very thing I did need was love. You know, this community, there are many challenges that we face in this United Kingdom. There are many challenges that we face in local communities like ours. And there are great things that we can do and there's some great work outside that happens in the community, not just from the church, but people outside the church, some wonderful people. But I want to say, I, I really believe that the answer is, to quote a famous song, all you need is love. Because actually, in a hopeless place, what, we've, what we definitely need is love. I was intrigued by the amount of songs, songs that have been sung with regards to love. So I thought, I know what I'll do to waken you up. I'll give you a little bit of a challenge. So I've just gone through the decades. And uh, in a moment, there's going to be a, a slide that's going to come up. Can we just put the first one up? And there's going to be a title. I want you to... Okay, so Love Me Tender. Can anybody hazard a guess who first introduced this song? Elvis Presley. Okay, now for all you 50s kids... Can you tell me what year? 1958, somebody says. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's actually 1956. Let's go to the 60s, shall we? Let's put the next slide up. Baby love, my baby love. That gives you a bit of a clue. Who's the singer of Baby Love? Anybody has it a guess? No, it's not Diana Ross. It's the Supremes. You got it wrong. You don't know your music, do you? You don't know your music. Okay, what was, anybody has it a guess in what year that was? Oh, one. 1964. Absolutely spot on. 1964. Let's go to the decade where I think it really all starts to smooth up. Let's go to the 70s. Wear flare trousers and. How deep is your. Love? 
Who sung it? Okay, what year? Wrong. 76, wrong. 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 77. Let's go to the 80s. Oh, I love this song now. Who sing this? Who sung this? Oh, are any Bon Jovi fans here? Danielle, get your hand up. Danielle announced to me that she's a Bon Jovi fan. What year was, uh, was this introduced? 84, wrong. 86. Well done. Let's go to the 90s, shall we? Who, who sung this? This isn't. Oh, well, who shouted that? Who shouted that out? Wow. We have a Roxette fan in the house. <laughs> it was out of Pretty Woman, you're right. What year was it? Oh, 1990. And let's bring it further up to date, shall we? With the final one. Leona. And what year was it? Any guesses? Ooh, two th- who said 2008? Well done. I wish I had a prize, but I don't. So there we are. The reality is, across the decades, and you were pathetic at that, I have to tell you. Absolutely pathetic. I'm not going to be phoning you as a friend on when when I'm ready for that million pound question, I can tell you. There's been literally hundreds of songs over the decades that have been sung by people, songs that have been written about love, about finding love, searching for love, yearning for love. Andre Breton, that French, I believe he was a French artist, said this, all my life, my heart has yearned for one, for a thing, sorry, I cannot name. All my life, my heart has yearned for a thing I cannot name. The reality is every one of us, every one of us needs love. We need to feel affection. We need to feel affirmed. We need to receive love. And we also need to give love. If you're in a hopeless place this morning, it may be that you've come in this morning and you've come and you've seen your, your children, your friends' children, your grandchildren, you know, your, your, your cousins, whoever it is, and you just, that's been wonderful. But you may have come in and your heart's been heavy because you're in a hopeless place. My prayer for, this, for you this morning is that actually you will find love in a hopeless place. And I have confidence in that because Jesus tells a story in Luke in chapter 10. And it's a very well-known story and I chose it on purpose because I thought it would be worthwhile every one of us understanding and knowing this story. And what it is, Jesus is asked a question. The question is asked, it's actually a trick question. Somebody was trying to trip Jesus up. And they asked him this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, well, what is written in the law? And Jesus then said, you know, you need, how do you read it? And this man then answers, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He then begins to 
this man begins to probe Jesus and said, well, that's great. Because he's trying to find a loophole now. Because then he says, but who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus then tells this story of how a man is walking down from Jerusalem into Jericho. And as he walks along the road, he's met by a group of robbers who rob this man, beat this man, and leave him for dead. And in time, there are people who travel along that road. The first person that travels along that road is somebody like me, a professional, I don't actually consider myself to be a professional priest, but let me just use me as an example. Somebody with a dog collar, somebody who is a leader of a church, a priest comes along and sees the man who is battered and bruised and in need of help. And what does he do? He continues to walk along the road away from the man. There's a second man that comes along that road and they The Bible calls him a Levite, that is a religious person. He might be someone in the context of today, somebody who's been christened. Somebody who reads the Bible, somebody who owns the Bible, somebody who goes to church. You think yourself as religious, you're all right. So that kind of person comes along the road. They see this man in urgent need of help. And they too walk on by. But then Jesus brings us to the point of the story because he then says, along that certain road, there was a Samaritan. I'll come on to that in a moment. But this Samaritan walks along the road and sees this man in urgent need. This Samaritan wasn't a particularly, would be classed by those people as a good man because there was always infighting between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews considered the Samaritans of being a lower class. The Jews considered the Samaritans of not being particularly holy or godly. But a Samaritan walks along the road and sees this man in urgent need of help. And the Bible says he saw him. That's the first part of finding love. We've got to open our eyes and see the need. He then took pity on him. He then went to him and bandaged his wounds He then took his supplies, the oil and the wine that he was carrying, and poured it on him to cleanse him. And then he put him on his own donkey as he walked and took him to the nearest inn and left him with the innkeeper with two silver coins and said to the innkeeper, if there's any further monies that I owe you, I will come and redeem that once I come back this way. And then Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? who fell into the hands of the robbers. And the man replied, replied, he was asking the question, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus' words now are so profound. He then says, go and do likewise. The reality is Jesus was highlighting something that is still prevalent in the world today, and that is prejudice is still around. See, Jews had serious prejudice against the Samaritans, because of who they are and where they came from. And let's face it, we can carry enormous prejudice to one another. You don't come from the right housing area. You don't go to the right school. You don't wear the right clothes. You don't have the right color of skin. You don't drive the right car. You don't have the right job. You don't have a job. You don't come from the right country. Let's face it, guys. I'm sorry if you've come for a nice, cuddly stroke here. I'm not here to nice, cuddly and stroke you. I'm just saying that it is. We all carry prejudice 
And Jesus was nailing this by saying, we need to love people even though they're different to us. You see, love is a choice. Love is not sex. Love is not sex. It really isn't. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's an act of the will. I make a choice to love. Before easy for this church, people, some people have asked us, well, why are you doing food bank and why do you endeavor to be involved in the community? Very good question. And we often say from the life of the church, because we can and because we want to, because we really believe that our mandate is to love and serve our community. We have a desire to get involved with people's lives who, it may be that it's dysfunctional and hard. We have a desire to reach those people who run businesses and those people who have no jobs. We have a desire to reach children and older people. We have a desire to reach people who are from West Allen and also from Kirk Allen. We have a desire to just get involved in the community. We're not bothered where you come from or where, what your background is or what your experience is or what your bank balance is like, good or bad, or what car you drive. Because love is a choice. We choose, we choose to love you. And Jesus was nailing this down. Love is not an option. Love is a choice. It's an act of the will. When I counsel people who are thinking about separating husbands and wives, I often say you may not feel like you're in love with him but, or her, but you have to make the choice to keep on loving. Because love is a choice. The problem is we carry such prejudice. We carry such thoughts, negative thoughts towards other people. And it's not good. You see, love is not just a choice, but it's a verb. It's a demonstrative word. You see, this man who cared for him, and I know it's only a parable, but he didn't just say to the man, oh, you'll be fine. Uh, I'll pray for you. Oh, Lord, just bless this man. Now he demonstrated love by seeing him, kneeling amongst him, touching him, feeling the blood that flowed from this man and his wounds. He took his supplies and gave them to this man and then put him on a donkey and took care of this man. See, love isn't just about us, well, you'll be all right, sort yourself out. No, love is a demonstration. It's a verb. Love puts ourselves out. You know, we all, I'm talking to the church here as well, we all can live with our own thoughts, can't we, and our own feelings. It's my world, it's my life. And I did some ministry about the disease that's in the world. I call it I-A-A-M, which is it's all about me. It's a disease that lives in the world. It's all about me. Actually, it's not all about me. Because if we will live out the words of Jesus, which is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You've got to love yourself, but we need to live, love those who are in our worlds. And not just those people that we like. Who finds it easy to love those people that you like? Raise your hand. Of course, raise your hand. Come on. We all do. Now, what about that person who gets in your face at work? And all you want to do is go toe-to-toe with, it, with them, and just give them what for? What about that person? What about that neighbor 
who just causes you so much difficulty. What about that mother-in-law, fellas? My mother-in-law's here, actually, so I have to be very, very careful. She's brilliant. My mother-in-law's brilliant. She is brilliant. She is brilliant. But what about that mother-in-law? What about that father-in-law? What about that brother? What about that sister that you fell out with? What about that dad and mum that you fell out with? Because they've done something to you. We need to be people that love them too. You see, love is a choice. It really is. Dwight L. Moody said this, Faith makes all things possible, and love makes all things easy. When I make a decision that I'm going to love, and it's an act of will, and it's an act of choice, and as one of the pastors of, of this church here, yeah, I better believe I don't find it easy to love everybody, and not everybody finds it easy to love me. And it's very interesting, Jesus said, we need to love everybody, it didn't say that we have to like everybody. Oh, sorry, have I said something wrong? I'm jesting. But that's what it says. We need to be people that love one another. Love one another. You see, I actually do believe that love, when we make an act of the will and a choice, it does make all things easy. For me, and as I close, recognizing that love is a choice, that's great. But the point is, you may be sat there thinking, it's impossible for me to love like this because I can't make the choice. I agree with you. My story is actually, it's only as I met the first requirement, which was to love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength, that the other two become easy. Because most people try and love people without first loving God. You see, I actually believe that it's fairly impossible to show absolute love to other people without first receiving love. I received love, the love of God, the acceptance of God. Received him as my Lord and Savior. And then it does make things easy with regards to loving my neighbor and also loving myself. You see, we can today receive the love from God. In a nutshell, this gospel is good news. The fact is the world is in a mess. It's in a mess through sin, through lies, through affairs, through cheating, through anger, murder, and the like. And the reality is, in any crime, there needs to be a punishment. And this punishment has to be served. If you're wondering what the gospel is all about, this is it. See, mankind deserved the punishment. But God sent his one and only son, his perfect son, Jesus, to serve the punishment. He was, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. He was put to death for the sins of the world. Death couldn't hold him, though, because he broke through death and came into resurrection life. And through this death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we don't just celebrate that at Easter, we celebrate that, celebrate that every day of the year, we can have freedom from sins. We can have a new life in Jesus Christ. We can have peace and joy and love that knows no bounds. But you see, the reality is, this punishment 
What provoked Father God to send his son to take the punishment that God didn't deserve? One word, love. One word, love. My challenge to every single one of us is please, can I encourage us, if you are here and you are in a hopeless place and you want to find love in this hopeless place, if you want to find love, it only comes through us first receiving love from God. And then through that love that we have received, we're then able to give away to our neighbor and to ourselves because love is a choice. I wonder if we just bow our heads this morning.